Tuning in to the 382nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and the show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. Going to have Ben Karen on host of the Sports Caller Podcast to <clears throat> preview the divisional round of the NFL. We're going to talk some college football, talk about some NFL storylines where that's coaching, uh, recap some of the wildcard games, just a tad bit more that went down on uh, Sunday, Monday, and Saturday, and also talk about some stories around the league that I think are interesting. But before I get to that, first-time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc., Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, you can click on uh, a timestamp and it will go to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. It is for your convenience, folks. Follow me on Twitter at NightTrend underscore Lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. I post three five-minute clips of my podcast on there as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't want the pod, then don't worry. Just don't say anything, because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now it's time for one of my Daryl Lane monologues. Folks, we're here. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs will be taking place Saturday and Sunday. The divisional round, it's an important round. It's a very important qualifying round. The quarterfinals, some people can call it. The Elite Eight. That's a term that's used in college basketball. The Final Eight. The Conference Semis. It's the round where we separate the boys from the men. The real ones from the fakes. The teams that are legit Super Bowl contenders and the teams that, eh, could never make the cut. When I wrestled in high school, I was a quarterfinal wrestler. I was always the guy who was good enough to advance to the point where we are right now, but never much further. It's never really in it to win it, at least big, the higher levels I went up. But I could get there, get to the divisional round, right? Say, hey, I was there, had a close match, but I was really had never really a chance to make it to the semis because you get to the true semis of the whole NFL if you win this conference championship game and then that gives you a chance if you win that you get a berth get a ticket to the big show the super bowl the real granddaddy of them all sorry rose bowl where over a hundred million people are going to watch you on national tv on a sunday so the stakes are obviously very high this is a really important round because we're going to find out these elite teams Seven of the eight teams that are going to be playing this weekend all won their division. Cincinnati, AFC North, winner. Buffalo Bills, AFC East, winner. Kansas City Chiefs, AFC West, winner. Tennessee Titans, AFC South, winner. NFC, Green Bay Packers, NFC North, winner. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, NFC South, winner. And then we have... The Rams and 49ers. Rams, AFC West, winner, 49ers. Wildcard team did not win their division. They finished third, but obviously very deadly as they just beat the NFC East winner, Dallas Cowboys, last weekend. So here's what's on the line for each of these teams. San Francisco 49ers, if they win this game, the whole Trey Lance stuff is dead, Right? Starts to quiet. They traded all these picks to go get Trey Lance to get this cool, kinky, running offense with Trey Lance, right? Jimmy Garoppolo stops all of that. And if they lose, then it's, okay, let's trade Jimmy G and let's start the Trey Lance era. See the big difference? On the line for the Packers. 
if the 49ers blow out Green Bay, we're talking about Aaron's going to leave. Aaron's going to leave. They can't They can't win because Aaron doesn't have enough talent. If they win, hey, Aaron, how could you ever leave? You're in your third straight NFC Championship game. The Packers are so talented. Tampa Buccaneers, if they lose, Tom Brady, is he going to come back for another year? Bruce Aarons, he's getting up in age two. They win. Brady and Aaron's on their way to another Super Bowl. Tom Brady just keeps clearing the desk to be the GOAT. Keeps uh, going further and further and further, separating himself from anybody else who's ever played the game. Rams win. The Matthew Stafford trade wasn't a bust. They're vindicated of getting rid of Jared Goff, who was the number one overall pick for the franchise. They lose. You couldn't get any round further with Stafford than Goff? Really? That's what's at stake. And then look at the AFC. The Bills win. Is Josh Allen the best QB in the NFL, folks? Those are the conversations that's going to be had if the Bills beat the Chiefs. Particularly national, big stage game. The last game of the weekend. Bills going into Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen's going to have to play big for them to win. Just like he needed to play big for them to blot the Patriots. He's going to need to play big for them to beat the Chiefs. And he's probably going to have to outgun Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. Lot on the line. For the Chiefs, their AFC supremacy. Is that slipping by the wayside? Are they still the team in the AFC? They've been to three straight AFC championship games, two straight Super Bowls. Could the Bills really supplant the Kansas City Chiefs? Do the Chiefs now have to worry about the Bills for years to come? On the line for the Cincinnati Bengals. Are they a for real team? Can they really go from worst to first? Can they be a legit contender? Are Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase just this cool little thing? You know, the young guys just coming in all cute and stuff. Or are they like for real? Like, they're a force to be reckoned with. We're going to find that out. On the line for the Tennessee Titans. Are they really the weakest one seed we've ever seen? If they get blown out, people are going to say that. A lot of the analytics guys are saying that. Or or can you win with your best offensive player being your running back? Can you win with Ryan Tannehill? Those questions are going to be answered. They're going to be answered. After the games on Saturday and Sunday, we will know all of these answers. The teams who win... We'll say job well done. Championship game weekend. Be prepared. You guys answered step one. Step two, actually, of the test. The teams that lose on Saturday and Sunday, you guys failed the second part of the exam. Go home. Try again. Come back for next year. The NFL playoffs, it's unforgiving. But it's where we find out who's the best of the best, and it's when legends are made. And that's why the divisional round... It's so important. I'll tell you this as a Bills fan. I am happily anticipating Sunday night when the Bills go to the Chiefs. And we're going to figure out, as a Bills fan, I'm going to figure this out. Because playing an Arrowhead's a lot different in the regular season when there's a lightning delay than when you're playing when all the chips are down. Your best against your best. Your 11 versus my 11 out there in a playoff game. Because Chiefs are the big dogs. So I can't wait for that. Now, kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Ben Karen on the show to talk some NFL storylines. Kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Ben Karen with us. He's a father, a husband, a son, resident of Vermont, former resident of Vermont, actually, current resident of Arizona, the husband of a Cardinals fan, Seahawks fan himself. His AFC team is the Bengals, school psychologist. Went to the University of Vermont, graduate school at Texas A&M, an avid hater of Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, Ben Karen, host of the Sports Father Podcast. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, Daryl. How are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Did you like all those titles? I added a few more. I love them. I never know what you're going to say, you know, I'm always, um, always eagerly awaiting what you're going to say, are you going to introduce me? And you always do such a great job, too. 
well, we have to let everybody know, like, you know, what your titles are so everybody knows. Because, you know, there's, there's more to you than just this, Ben. You're, you're a man of many facets. I try to be. So, let's start with this. You live in Arizona. I know you watched the Monday Night Football game. Rams versus Cardinals. A lot of anticipation. I think people thought this was going to be a really good game. We see... Is it fair to say an undressing, an embarrassment? Uh, Arizona got exposed. Is that fair, Ben? I think it's, it's definitely fair to say. I mean, at no point in time did uh, that game feel close once it got started. So what I want to know from you is, first, how shocked were you that that happened? At what point of the game were you like, oh my God, what's going on here? Well, I, I would say probably by the time we got to halftime and we're down 21 nothing. Um, it also, to me, is pretty shocking. I think Kyler uh, played very badly in this game, Daryl. Um, when you're when you're looking at um, quarterback rating of uh, just a little bit above forty, I mean, that's pretty bad, man. And you know, Kyler only threw for uh, 137 total yards and two interceptions. Uh, not not a whole lot there to celebrate. They um, didn't do much better when it came to running the football with a total of 61 yards. Yeah, Kyler was awful. The pocket awareness, bad. Uh, I thought sometimes he couldn't see uh, over the linemen. Uh, inaccurate. Uh, just didn't seem like he knew where to go with the football. Was missing reads out there. Just really not a good performance from him. I want to know how this goes to Cliff Kingsbury because this was a guy who was brought in to usher in to be this new hotshot young offensive mind like the McDaniels, uh, the Shanahan's, the McVeigh's, the Matt LaFleur's. And since he's been in Arizona, there's been mixed results. They've improved steadily, and he was also brought in there to help develop Kyler. Uh, And it's been about three years now, four years. What's the jury out for you, Ben? What's your opinion of Cliff? Well, I think my my opinion of Cliff is he's not equipped to get the job done. I know that, like you were saying, uh, when the Cardinals hired him, I think they were looking for the next, you know, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, uh, the next, you know, young guy that's really um, a talented offensive mind. And that's just not what they're getting. I, I think in, in that way, um, Coach Kingsbury is a little bit fraudulent. And, you know, um, Left him on device, I always kind of felt that way to some degree. I mean, here comes a guy that they're going to give a head coaching opportunity in the NFL to that couldn't even win in college. It just didn't make, I guess, a lot of sense for me right off the bat, and it's not too surprising now that we're starting to see him get exposed. Um, And and I think we can all clearly agree that uh, Sean McVay is a much better football coach. Yeah, and you saw that from top to bottom, how prepared they came. And, like, just the physicality of that game, to watch Cam Akers coming from a torn Achilles, running over dudes? Like, the offensive line just blowing Arizona off the ball. Like, I was shocked. Like, they... It was almost like Arizona just... They were so passive during that game. It's like, this is a playoff game. This is Monday Night Football. Like, this is for your lives. It's like... I was almost like, did they just want to go on vacation to Cancun? Like, it's like, get it together. And I think that is a reflection of the coach. And and there's nothing to be surprised by here either, Daryl. I mean, they've they've already played Los Angeles twice. They're in the same division as Los Angeles. They should know the Rams really well. Uh, There's no reason why they ought to be losing by more than 20 points. And I think it does show something that the first game, the, uh, the Cardinals win. Second game. Rams win, third game, Rams dominate, right? Like, the gap was widening, not getting closer. And I also think when you look at Cliff, and here's the thing, I think coaching matters, I think you'd agree. In the NFC West, he's the fourth best coach, clearly. Easily, and, and you know, not that there's a lot of shame in that, the other, the other guys out there are pretty good. At least two out of the three other guys. Oh, don't don't disrespect Kyle. I, I know what you're doing, but don't do that. Well, I will tell you, I think Kyle is still substantially better uh, than than 
the likes of Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, all three of these other guys in the NFC West have been to the Super Bowl. One of them has even won a Super Bowl. And two of them are still coaching right now. <laughs> With a chance to get back. There you have it, right there. And also, my thing too is, in terms of the development... Kyler's starting to have an issue. And ben, I, you know I don't like making things of like, this person's not a postseason quarterback. I, I don't really like doing that because I think a lot of this. But the stuff I saw from Kyler, that was concerning. Because I'm a content guy, and I've told you that, but I'm a content guy. Sometimes it's not the result, but it's like what I see during the game. I was like, what is going on with Kyler? Like, Cliff Kingsbury is a former quarterback. He's the offensive coordinator. Why isn't he like kind of trying to settle down Kyler? Like, Kyler just seemed like a... A deer in headlights. Like a dog that's out on his own for the first time, wagging his tail, doesn't know what to do, know what to do. Have you ever seen Kyler look that way? I have not. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to give him, I guess, kind of a pass here, you know. I haven't been in the NFL that long, first time in the postseason. Um, you know, the, the Rams certainly have a little bit more experience than the Cardinals have. Uh, but even with that being said, the thing that I would say is, is concerning is just how much talent the Cardinals have, Daryl. Um, most teams in most years are not going to have the, the amount of offensive weapons that the Cardinals have right now. If you were to fire Cliff, and I think we both agree, right? Cliff won't get fired. Cliff will get another year. I don't think he should. I don't think you think he should either. But let's say they do fire him. Who would be a good coach for the Cardinals? Well, I mean, I think the obvious choice is Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has been able to kind of capture lightning in a bottle before. He is able to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Um, and in my mind, I think the Eagles at that time were a really talented team, but he is able to take advantage of that and, 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 and get a Super Bowl win. So I think Doug Peterson, in my mind, would probably be the uh, head um, guy that I'd be looking at, at hiring. That's very interesting. I think that would be a good pick. Now, next I want to go to this. Mike McCarthy. A lot of people are calling for Mike McCarthy's head. Ben, I know you don't agree with it, and you think Mike McCarthy's being disrespected. Just explain to the folks why everybody's wrong on Coach McCarthy. Well, I think you got to look at the bigger picture here. Um, I think Mike McCarthy is a pretty easy target. You know, we all know how he got hired in Dallas. Uh, it's kind of a weird situation. We know how things ended for him in Green Bay. It wasn't great. Um, you know, we, we know he's not exactly an imposing figure when he gets up at the podium for press conferences. But, Daryl, when, when you look at what the man's been able to produce over a long period of time, he's been a very solid coach. Um, he's a guy where, generally speaking, when he's coaching your football team, you are getting to the playoffs. You're, you're at least uh, entering that tournament. You're, you're competing. Um, and, and quite honestly, I mean, that's what we saw this weekend, too. You know, um, people are sitting there and they're banging on Mike McCarthy for losing a close game to the 49ers, Daryl. Now, I know, you know, the, the game, when, when you actually watched it, it wasn't as close as the score would suggest. But um, when you see the way the New England Patriots got blown out and the Arizona Cardinals just got decimated, that didn't happen to the Cowboys, Daryl. And also, I mean, we were on the podcast last week, and neither one of us even picked Dallas to win the game. We both thought the 49ers would win the game. Uh, generally speaking, I think that's kind of the consensus around the country. Um, so, in other words, you lose a close game against a team that generally you, you weren't favored to beat. I just don't understand why people are so upset about um, Mike McCarthy, you know, I mean... I think it's because how the last play ended uh, with the whole spike. Even though that's more... That goes into Callan Moore, too. Like, Moore has to... Callan has to take a lot of uh, blame for that as well. He's the he's the play caller, but... Well, yeah, I mean, and I would say I, I do think, you know, over the course of time, um, 
Mike is not a guy that is known to really, you know, be the sharpest guy. You know, he's not a he's not like a like a, a McVeigh or Belichick or, or a guy like that. Um, you know, I mean, he is prone to make some of these some of these little little errors late in games. You know, he's been known to be a little sloppy managing the clock. Uh, some of these other things, uh, but like, let's be realistic. That's not what cost them the game. You know, by by a large margin. Now, they had a bunch of penalties. That was also sloppy. Um, that would be what I'd be more worried about. And if I was a critic of the Cowboys, that's what I'd be criticizing over the last play of the game. So, Jim Harbaugh, I know we talked about this before, but there's a lot of different rumors. Some people are saying there's no shot he leaves Michigan. Some people are saying he's very much looking at Michigan. What do you think it is? Do you think Jim Harbaugh would be willing to leave Michigan? Take the Vegas job out of it. Would he be willing to leave Michigan? I say yes. I still think he'd be willing to leave Michigan. And I actually believe, you know, for the right opportunity, I think chances are greater than not that he would. I think he signed up for this Michigan job. And, you know, with with the um, implementation of the transfer portal, the game has kind of changed in a, in a way maybe that he feels that he didn't sign up for. Um, we know Jim's a guy that likes to have a lot of control. I think right now he might have more control in the NFL than college football. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's going to take any job, though, if, if, the, um, if the Raiders was available. I think he'd look at that. I think he may very well look at the Vikings job. Um, but I do not really see him being a guy that's going to go to the Miami Dolphins or the Texans or, or, or a job like that. And speaking of the Texans, Josh McCown is going to be interviewing for the head coach job. Would you like that uh, hire? I'm not even sure what he's been doing <laughs> in the last few years. Last time I heard about him, he was he was a backup quarterback. QB coach. He was a QB coach. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not a fan of that. I. I don't think that would even put him uh, in in a position where he'd be better than Coley, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think Coley did a respectable job, Daryl. Yeah, I think Coley was very much disrespected. Uh, Should Rich Passaccia be brought back by the Raiders? They already fired Mike Mayock. He's not coming back. But guys like Derek Carr vouched for this guy. Do you think they should bring him back? He went seven and five after Gruden was canned. Oh man, that's a great question. I think I think here, Daryl, it really depends on who else might be available if if you move on from him. Um, I look at what he did this year, and on the surface, it looks really impressive. I, when I'm trying to be a little bit more objective, a little bit more of a content-oriented person, he had a lot of luck on his side this year, too, because they won a lot of overtime games, close games. If you replay this season four or five times, you're probably not going to win all of those close games again. Um, and when you're a fringe playoff team, that, mean, that means you might be you know, a couple games under 500 instead of a team making the playoffs. Um I think he's done a nice job of stabilizing the organization, but if if I had the opportunity for a guy like Jim Harbaugh or Doug Peterson, I would go with one of those guys over him. If not, I'd probably stick with him. The Seattle Seahawks fired the D.C. Ken Norton Jr. Uh, What did you think about that, Ben? Uh, It had to happen. (laughs) The Seahawks defense was not getting better as the season went on. Um, oh, yeah, Ben, I was trying to sell you that. <laughs> you weren't buying it, Ben. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I mean, you know, the statistics can say what they want, but when you watch the games, <laughs> I mean, it kind of just tells the story. They've been, they've been a mess on defense, and I think they need to get back to um, hiring somebody that's very good at developing talent and draft picks. Any chance they could get a Dan Quinn to come back? or I mean, Gus Brad, I mean, these guys are DCs for other teams. Why don't they get one of those guys to come back? 
Well, I think Dan Quinn's probably going to end up with a head coaching job. What about Gus Bradley? They might be able to get Gus Bradley back. I mean, you know, I don't. There are some other guys, you know, that might be worth looking at too. Um, you know, depending on what happens. I mean, my my dream is having a guy like Brian Flores. Um, but you know, I mean, maybe 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 you can look at a guy like Vic Fangio, trying to get him if he's still available, um, or even you know, um, Mike Zimmer. Oh yeah, Mike Zimmer was the other guy I was going to bring up. Thank you. Um, you know, those are those are guys that might be available. Just because it didn't work out as a, for them as a head coach doesn't mean they're, um, you know, not a good defensive coordinator. I think sometimes when you can get people and just have them specialize at what they're good at, uh, that brings tremendous value to a team. So Ben, this is one of the most interesting things I've ever heard, or craziest things I've ever heard. Antonio Brown says, there's nothing wrong with my mental health. Uh, when, when you hear that, what do you think, Ben? Well, I mean, I'd say it's, you know, it's probably classic denial. Um, a problem is only a problem, right? If people um, identify and recognize it as such. Well, it's only a problem to them anyways. I mean, it's probably clear to a lot of um, Antonio's uh, former teams that uh, is a problem, but you know, unless it becomes apparent to him, he doesn't need to do anything to to uh, remedy it. So, I I think it's kind of like an uh, avoidance. Tennessee versus Cincinnati. Uh, there's going to be uh, what Tennessee Titans are doing. They're changing uh, their ticket transfer rules to limit Bengals fans from infiltrating Tennessee. Do you like love or hate that? Um, I hate it. I I think if 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 you're the Titans and you, and you've worked hard to have a home game all season long in the playoffs, don't even worry about it. You know where where's the where's the faith in the Tennessee Titans fan base that they're going to be able to fill up that stadium for that game? I don't think they believe that they have faith. <laughs> I think I, I don't think they have faith in them, Ben. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously they don't, man. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's just sending the wrong message to Titans fans. Titans fans aren't that bad. It's not like we're talking about Chargers fans. Now, the Chargers don't have fans, Ben. Can we agree on that? Well, it's hard. Yeah, they... <laughs> I think now that they have Herbert, they might have some fans. But... Maybe like three. Ben, no, what... Three. When I saw them play on Sunday Night Football, there were more Steelers fans in that stadium <laughs> than Chargers fans. Now, I get it that the Steelers are a national brand, but that's still crazy. At no point in an NFL stadium should the away team have more fans. Is that is that not a fair take, Ben? It is it is a fair take, but you know, I mean, we're talking here, I mean, about about two teams that are not perennial, you know, playoff teams. I mean, I know the Titans have been now for a few seasons in a row, but when you look at, you know, the last 20 years, uh, the Titans are not in 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 the playoffs every year nor are the Bengals. Um, you know, nor are either one of these teams teams with, you know, extraordinary fan bases nationwide. Um, I can understand it, like you said, with like a national brand like a Pittsburgh Steelers or Dallas Cowboys or something like that, but that's simply not the case. We're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think the Bengals are just going to go in and infiltrate the Titan Stadium. Well, the thing is, Cincinnati's only like five hours away from Tennessee, right? So not that far of a drive. That's the one thing. But, I mean, you're you're trying to tell me, like, hey, the the Titans fans are uh, not that crazy about football. It's kind of the same thing with the Bengals, Daryl. I mean, these fans are used to their team losing every year. That's very true. That They are used to it. I mean, but they're on cloud nine with Joe Burrow and such. So, this is really interesting. This is the last question I'll ask you in terms of the NFL and the coaching side of things. Uh, So, there was a tweet by, I think it was a tweet or Instagram DM, by the Vikings and they said, we have completed an interview with Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore for our open head coach position. And then subtweeting that was Jared Allen saying, still waiting for my interview. Y'all have my contact info, Vikings for life. Should they get Jared Allen a chance and get him in for an interview? 
I would say no, but I, I guess here's the deal. I mean, in my opinion, the Vikings job is one of the best jobs that's available right now. Um, so with, with, with that being said, I, th- I think that the ceiling on, on the on the kind of guys that they can bring in for that job is, is probably higher uh, than the ceiling for teams like the Dolphins and the Texans. Um, there's the, nothing that Jared Allen has done up until this point in time that makes me think he's going to be a revolutionary coach uh, that I'm ready to turn turn the keys to the castle over to uh, when we have all this talent. And I don't even um, think Jared's coaching. He, the, my guy might need to work his way up and start as a D-line coach first. <laughs> and, well, exactly. And, 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 you know, but I understand his frustration when they're interviewing Kellen Moore. I mean, that's a waste of their time. <laughs> Kellen Moore's been an offensive coordinator for three years. And, you know, I mean, it's not like he's had a Super Bowl appearance or NFC championship appearance uh, or they've been wildly successful. I mean... Dallas has been kind of a one-of-the-mill team for the last three years. And, it, you know, as you just alluded to with that debacle the Cowboys had at the end of the game, some of that's on Kellen Moore. It can't all just be on Mike McCarthy that that happened. I mean, Kellen Moore is the one calling the play, so it's a lot of it's on Kellen Moore. I think Mike McCarthy deserves blame because I think he can tell Kellen, uh, you're being stupid right now, but Kellen's the one who had the stupid idea. Mike McCarthy just didn't stop the stupid idea from taking place. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, I guess I'm just saying, like, this whole fixation on young guys that are good at offense, it has to stop. It's getting ridiculous. That is very there's, not, there's not going to be a Sean McVay around every corner or Matt LaFleur. Or Kyle and, Shanahan. Yeah, there's not even going to be a Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and all those guys are very respected offensively. Like, there, there's not a lot of guys who are those three. The, those those three, I think, whether – I, I know you're not as high as Kyle Shanahan and some other people, but I think you do respect them as an offensive mind. I, I, I think the, 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 those guys are some of the best play callers in the NFL. So, I mean, like I would say all of them are top five to top six play callers. So, I mean, you know, chances are you're not going to find another one just laying around. One would think. So, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Ben are going to preview the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barstow Sports Talk, and we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Father Podcast. So, Ben, Cincinnati at Tennessee, big game, one seed versus four seed, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, CBS, who you got, Ben? Well, Daryl, it was pretty darn good watching the Cincinnati Bengals end that streak, and I will go with them to win this game, too. We don't know what kind of condition Derrick Henry is going to be in if he plays. I do expect the Titans to be a more physical game, uh, team. Uh, but I think the Bengals uh, may prove to, to be a more significant threat than people give them credit for. Uh, they have an offense that can just put up fireworks. Um, and I think the Titans are going to be in trouble, Daryl, if they fall behind in this game which is a real possibility. I'm going to go with the Bengals here, Daryl, to win this game 28-24 over the Titans. It would not be the first time that we've seen the Titans get home field advantage and then lose it right away. I don't think the Titans have ever had an AFC Championship game at home, which tells you a lot about their franchise. Uh, This is interesting. If Derrick Henry's 100%, would this, would this change your pick? No, I, I 
optimist. I've got the conviction in Joe Burrow. He's just getting better and better every week, and I think he's significantly better than the Titans quarterback. Has Joe five Burrow entered? Is Joe Burrow top five good, Ben? I have him in my top five. But oh, really? I think it's debatable. He's cracked your top five, so he's entrenched in the Cameron top five now. He's entrenched. He's kind of near the bottom of the top five, but he's in there. You know, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go Tennessee. Uh, I think they're a more physical team. I think Derrick Henry's going to be ready to go. He's had a long break. I know people are going to say, how's he going to look when he returns? But we're talking about a guy. He knows how to run the football. Running the football, it's a pretty simplistic thing to do. He has a lot of rest. And he's going to be ready to go. It's like you keep the dog in the kennel for so long, then the dog comes out and it's ready to go. The horse, keep the horse in so long, then the horse is ready to go to shoot out. I think he's going to be ready to go. Uh, Tennessee, they don't beat themselves. The front seven that they have is very good. Cincinnati's offensive line is not great. I think they're going to be able to hit Joe Burrow a lot. Also, Joe Burrow has a bit of a turnover bug because they're really aggressive down the field of Jamar Chase. Now, my one concern about this is the Bengals' passing attack can really light up the Titans because the Titans' back end isn't very good. But I think Tennessee is going to be able to control the football game, get a lot of pressure on Burrow, clog up the run, make the Bengals really one-dimensional. And I think we're talking Tennessee... 27 Bengals, 24, but this is a game where Joe Burrow is going to need to be special to win. Uh, Joe Burrow, the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase show is going to need to be in full effect to get a win because this is going to be a tough physical football game. So next, 8.15 p.m. Eastern on Fox, San Francisco travels to Lambeauville, to face Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Ben, who you got? I'm going with Green Bay here, Daryl, and I think this, for me, would be my probably lock of the weekend. Um, I don't think the 49ers really pose a real threat to the Packers um, in this game. Looking like Nick Bosa might not be able to play, which is a big hit for the 49ers. Um, I just think on the road in Lambeau, got Aaron Rodgers, who's firing on all cylinders. You know, the uh, Packers going to probably have some success as far as the, um, the line of scrimmage goes. They're a little bit underrated in that category. I think they're going to show out in this game. I think the Packers win by 10 here. I, I like them 30 to the 49ers 20. Ben, I'm going with San Francisco. Uh, this was a close game. These teams faced each other early in the season. It took an Aaron Rodgers miracle drive to get to the field goal, to get a field goal for them to beat San Francisco. Now, this game was in San Francisco, and it's going to be a lot different in Green Bay. But here's what travels. Defense travels. I know Nick Bosa's not going to, possibly could not. I don't think we know yet. I think what I've been hearing is that he's going to try to go. I don't know if he will end up going, but I think he's going to try to go. But they have a deep defensive line. Fred Warner, who there were some concerns about him, he's going to play. Uh, their front seven's good. Their corners are solid. Really good defense. And they have a running game. That travels, too. They're going to be able to run the football. They have a good offensive line. Uh, Green Bay does not have a very good run defense. I think what they're going to do is keep Jimmy to 15 throws. They're going to run it down Green Bay's throat. They're going to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. They're going to convert on third down and be very efficient. And I think that defensive line is going to take over the game and really get after Aaron. And I'm going to go with the upset pick. Shanahan and Jimmy G get it done 20-17 to in Green Bay. That would be insane if that happened. And I, I also, I, I also I think... report that Garoppolo's kind of banged up too. Yeah, I think he's, he's going though. It's just been nuts. He's going to go. But he is banged up. I think the thumb injury, I think he has something else. And I also think San Francisco has a better team than Green Bay. I think they have a more talented team, top to bottom. And let's remember what San Francisco did to Green Bay a few years ago in the NFC Championship game. I I, I don't think Green Bay is going to be able to stop the run. Now, if Green Bay gets a quick lead, then it's night-night. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, next we have 
the LA Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 3 p.m. Eastern, NBC, a rematch of a game that the Rams won. Stafford, McVay, Aaron Donald, Ramsey, and co. They're going to Florida. Can they get it done? Well, I, I think this is one of the uh, the hardest games to predict, Daryl. Um, and for me, I would say everything, in my opinion, points to the Rams winning the game. Um, you, when you look at Tristan Wirfs, um, he might not be able to play, and if he does, he's probably going to play injured. I just don't think that's going to bode well when you got guys like Von Miller, guys like Aaron Donald that you have to deal with. Um, and we know traditionally Tom Brady um, struggles a lot when 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 there's a lot of pressure on him. He's not a guy that's mobile anymore. You know, he never really was that mobile, but now at age 44, he's definitely uh, not that mobile. Sitting duck. Um, I I just think the Rams are going to overwhelm the Buccaneers line. I think the Bucs are a little bit beaten up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Rams uh, are able to take a guy like Mike Evans just playing out of the game, period. Uh, so I'm actually going to pick the Rams here to get the upset 27-24 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really, Ben? So, Ben, that means Matthew Stafford would have two playoff wins. Would that impress you? Well, I think he needs to get to the NFC Championship to, to just not even be considered a bust this year. Um, would it impress me? I mean, not a great deal, but, you know, you got to give him some respect if he gets two uh, in one season. Um, I think, though, if the, if the Rams are truly going to win this game and have a chance, um, then they're probably going to have to do what they did last game and kind of keep the ball out of Stafford's hands. Uh, just try to run the football, try to be physical, um, which in turn will keep the ball away from Tom Brady. Um, and it will make them less prone to the mistakes that Matthew Stafford um, often makes with the football. So I, I, think, I think if I'm them, that's my game plan. I'm going with the Buccaneers. Uh, and I love Stafford, but something was telling me just not to do it. Uh we saw what Tampa did last year when they beat multiple teams who beat them during the regular season, like when they beat the Saints, even though the Saints swept them. Uh, I think Tampa's going to be more prepared. I think it's always hard the second time you face them because then adjustments get made. Uh, I think that Brady's going to find a way to get the ball out quickly, even though I do think they're going to put some pressure on Tom. They're going to put a lot of pressure on Tom. I am concerned the one thing, the Matthew Stafford thing does concern me. Matthew Stafford, this is a game where he needs to learn to be okay. I'm going to go 15 for 20 on my passes. We're going to we're gonna be smart with the football. Right? Only take what's there. Don't try to fit it in the tight windows 40 yards down the field. It might look cool, but we're not trying to look cool. We're trying to win a playoff game right now. I think that's the step Matthew Stafford needs to take during this game. Because if you start turning the ball over, then... Brady in this offense is going to capitalize. And that's going to put you behind. Then you're going to have to throw it more. Then that's when games can start getting ugly. And also the thing is, too, while the Rams are going to have to run the ball, Tampa has a very good run defense. I don't know if L.A. is going to be able to just straight up run it like they did against Arizona. I don't think guys like JPP and all of them are good. And Devin White and Levante Davis are going to let that happen. So I think that's going to be very interesting. But I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. 30 to the Rams, 24. Uh, I think Tampa's just going to be a little bit better this game. So next we have my Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, CBS, the last game of the divisional round. Ben, last time we did this, Bills at Chiefs, you picked Chiefs. I hope you've learned. Tell me what I want to hear, Ben. <laughs> this time around, I am going to tell you what you want to hear, Daryl. I mean, look, um, I can't just unsee what I saw during the regular season when they beat them by 18 points in Arrowhead. Um, I think it's going to be closer this time. Um, but you can't just see this kind of stuff uh, that I saw earlier in the season pick the Chiefs to win the game. So 
I am going to go with Buffalo here. I think that uh, they build off of that earlier meeting this season. I think they, they have uh, found a way um, to give the Chiefs some problems. I think this time around it becomes much closer. Uh, this time around I would say I'm picking Buffalo 35 to Kansas City's 32. Ben, how much did that New England Patriots one impress you? Oh, it was it was highly impressive, Daryl. Um, when you look at it, and, and you have so much respect for Bill Belichick and, and the defensive schemes he comes up with over over the course of uh, his career, um, I've never seen him get humiliated like that before. Um, so that was highly impressive. But I'm mainly picking. Uh, Buffalo off of what I saw when they played Kansas City earlier this season. Yeah, I'm going to go Buffalo. Uh, I that's a shock to anybody that I'm doing that. Uh, I think this is their time. I don't know. I think when you make a statement game like that, and I know the Chiefs blew out the Steelers, but to blow out the the Patriots the way they did, you just don't blow out Bill Belichick teams in the postseason. And Ben, you know this being from the area. That does not happen. It just doesn't happen. Josh was special. And Josh took a big step. Uh, I think that they can match Kansas City. I think they have the guys, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Uh, I think they have a deep defensive line. They don't necessarily have any stars, but they have guys who can get after the quarterback a little bit. And I think Josh Allen can match Mahomes. As many crazy off-schedule sidearm throws that Mahomes can make, we got our own freaking number 17 in Josh Allen who can do everything that Patrick Mahomes can do. So I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm going to say 38-34. to 34. Ben, this is going to be a game for the fans, right? I think three out of these four games this weekend are going to be games for the fans. I, the only one I see being a little bit uh, less so would be the Packers and the Niners. Uh, was the wild card weekend for a game for the fans? Was the wild card weekend for the fans, Ben? I would say yes overall. I mean, not not the two blowout games, obviously, but you know, Cowboys and Forty ers was good. Bengals and Raiders was good. Um, those two in particular, I guess Philadelphia and Tampa Bay wasn't that great, but now there are a couple games. You know, I think this weekend would be even better for the fans, though. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Ben are going to talk a little bit of college football. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high major recruiters looked at the six-foot-tall, 180-pounder and said, quarterback. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Ben Karen with us. So, Ben, Chip Kelly, contract extension, four years after an 8-4 and four season. How do you like it? I like it. I mean, I think it's what UCLA had to do. I, I know that you're not a big UCLA fan, and quite honestly, Chip has not completely put everything together yet as far as those pieces um, of the puzzle go. But I do like the direction UCLA is heading in, um, and, and I would have given him the extension too. Do you think he can compete with Lincoln Riley? Absolutely. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. So, next, I, I want to go to this. Uh, JT Daniels is transferring from Georgia. This would be his third transfer. He was at USC. Then he went to Georgia. Now he's transferring out of Georgia. What do you make of that? Well, I think there's starting to become some desperation on his part. Um, he keeps getting beat out for these jobs. And I think... He has to walk into this at some point with a mindset, it's, it's do or die, you know, if you transfer again. Um, this is your probably going to be your very last opportunity. And if you can't win the starting job, you're probably not, you know, having any chance of going to the NFL. So here's my thing, Ben. Uh, 
you know, you know what they call them, right? Student athletes. The student comes before the athletes. Isn't that kind of ironic, Ben? <laughs> In some cases, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, Ben. He's transferring for football, but he is a student athlete. Uh, at some point, JT Daniels hasn't been very good. He got beat out by Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's not going to the NFL, Ben. Well, Stetson Bennett is the national champion. I mean, he has to be fairly good. No, he's fairly good, but Stetson Bennett's not going to go to the NFL, I don't think. Probably not, but, you know, nobody thought he'd be a national champion either. That's true. But I guess what I'm saying is that dude beats you out, then that, that shows what your NFL prospects are. Like, J- J- JT Daniels needs to focus on getting his education. He's not worrying about the NFL. He's not good enough to be thinking about the NFL. Well, he, these guys all believe they're good enough to be thinking about the NFL. And also, I, I think it's bad to just keep transferring. I'm fine with transferring once. Once you transfer more than that, it just looks bad to me. It's like, oh, I, I can't have my way, so I'm leaving. I just think that's bad. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm I'm out on the double transfer. Uh, I can't say I'm sitting here in support of it. Like, how would you oh, feel yeah. if Granger was double transferring everywhere? Well, I mean, you know, at some point, at some point, I think these guys need to at least have a reasonable backup plan. You know, they've got to say, well. This very well may not work out for me, so what's my next option? You know, it doesn't. And, and I'm, I guess I'm okay with the double transfer, um, you know, and, but at some point you have to also have that secondary plan outside of uh, college ball, and, you know, and trying to make the pros. Because not everybody, it's not going to happen for everybody. So the last three starting QBs for USC were JT Daniels, Caden Slovis, and Jackson Dart. All of them entered the transfer portal and left. All these guys were fairly high recruits. What does this say about USC? They keep having these guys, these quarterbacks, transfer out of the program. Well, I think traditionally it said that they're not um, a a destination where these guys feel like they're um, going to be in a good spot as far as getting developed, getting recognized and noticed for the NFL. Um, all of those pieces. Uh, however, you know, I, I don't think they're going to have that problem anymore now that Lincoln Riley is there. Stetson Bennett just announced that he's going to return uh, for Georgia for the 2022 season. He said one more year. I also think Nolan Smith is returning as well. What do you make of all that? I think it's going to be interesting. I think it just adds a little bit of spice on, but I think, you know, honestly, uh, they're just going to go with whoever the best quarterback is when, when the time comes, the best players. Do you, th- do you think there's any chance that Sets of Pinnick could lose his job? Probably not. I mean, I think at this point in time, he, you know, it's an interesting situation, but I just think when you're Georgia... You know, you're not at that, like, Alabama level where that could happen. Um, I think when you're Georgia and you win a national championship, they're going to keep you around. It's um, kind of like what you, what you had said about Calzada for A&M after he beat the, uh, the Crimson Tide. You said, I'll never have to have to pay for a drink again in College Station, and I would assume that's the case for Stetson Bennett in Athens. Yes, I still can't get over Stetson Bennett going on Good Morning America, just hammered, looking like he hasn't gotten any sleep. That guy is living it up. Uh, I, I'm not shocked at all that he decided he wanted another year of college after that experience. <laughs> he probably wants to be the man on campus. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if, if he would make the NFL anyways, you know. I mean, so I'm thinking he's looking at it as yeah, another opportunity to continue to grow and develop as a quarterback. Yeah. Have fun, be a kid. I mean, you know, those experiences that I think some people do take for granted. Because it's pretty cool to be the starting quarterback for the defending national champions. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. And it's a good opening line with the ladies, Ben. I'm almost positive that that's a good opening. It would probably work well. (laughs) So, how do you like Georgia's chances to repeat? 
Um, I don't love. I, I don't love them. I think it's just very hard to repeat. I think it's very hard to repeat. Is you know, as an SEC finalist, I mean, to be honest with you, we all know the most competition is probably coming from the SEC. There are going to be some other teams out there that are going to take their shots, you know, but uh, by and large, I mean, we know Alabama's going to be back to compete with them. Um, A&M. Out in the east, Kentucky is out there. Um, Texas A&M just had one of the best recruiting classes potentially in the history of college football. I mean, these other programs out there are not going away, Daryl. And lastly, I'll ask you this. So, Barrett Sally, uh, he tweeted this, and I uh, screenshotted it for you. Uh, How to improve college football. These were his four keys to improve college football. Tell me if you like any of these keys, okay, Ben? Okay. Transfer portal windows. Is that fine? I would say yes. I think that's going to improve it. It takes some of the craziness out of, out of college football. Eliminate the early signing period. Do you like that? Yes, because it just it makes everything, again, uh, just constant chaos. The coaches are having to coach and recruit at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that as well. Eliminate divisions? Yeah, that doesn't really make much sense to me. That one gives a thumbs down. Okay, why don't you like that one? Well, I don't see any reason to eliminate divisions. I think I think uh, the rival, the the in division rivalries that these college football programs have is 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 a great thing. You know, I don't want to do things like take Ohio State, Michigan away from the fans. Um, you know, or LSU, Alabama, or, you know, Auburn, Alabama. I mean, they Georgia, took... Florida, you know, I mean... They, they took... Uh, the they took Texas and Texas a They took Texas and Texas A&M away from the fans. I know, and, and, and the fans want it back. I mean, at least the A&M fans want it back. <laughs> you don't think the Longhorn fans want it? Well, I mean, I... They, they would... They would tell you they don't want it because they tell you they, they, they don't need to prove themselves. But what it really is is they're, um, you know, they, they want to continue to evade the Aggies because uh, they know they know how things would end up these days. And here was the, was the fourth idea, targeting one and targeting two penalties. So basically what that means is instead of, you know, the tar- p- players getting kicked out for targeting, they just penalties. No, you got to kick players out if they're targeting uh, I disagree with that as well. You gotta do things to make the game safer, and you gotta make a strong statement to those guys that are doing that stuff. Really? Now I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. What about what if it's inadvertent? Because some of the thing with some of these targeting rules is a player cannot mean to do it, and it just happens. Well, you don't see that very often, though. I mean. You know, I, I think you got to really look at a call, obviously, when you're trying to consider if it's targeting or not. Targeting, to me, Daryl, um, would not be something that's inadvertent. You know, it'd have to be kind of clear that that's what was going on. Otherwise, I would see that as more of a penalty as opposed to a targeting. And actually, there was one more. This was one more, actually. I lied, there's five. He had five ideas. Ban automatic bids for conference champions no matter what the playoff format becomes. I can definitely get behind that 1,000%. Probably Barrett's best idea right there. <laughs> ban, ban automatic bids for conference champions no matter <laughs> what the playoff <laughs> format is. Some three-loss Pac-12 team getting into the college football playoff over... You know, some Big Ten team with with two losses. I I, I do think auto qualifiers could be a bit inappropriate. It could get ridiculous. Yeah, stick with the... If you're going to expand the playoffs, stick with the best teams. Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. 
Hey, anytime, Daryl. Thanks for having me on tonight. And once again, I want to thank Ben Garen, host of the Sports Caller Podcast, for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when Ben can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 382nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Couple of bucks, but it ain't no thing. Just another day till I.